Hey everyone, welcome to the Big Monday Show. This is the last show before Christmas, so get your presents ready for Barry and I. Today we're going to give you a present. We got the Time Lord coming in and visiting Mr. Craig Mikowski of Timeform US, the man who cleans up the timing all over the country. Going to come in and uh, talk about a couple recent issues we have over here in racing. Wouldn't be a week in horse racing if we didn't have something go wrong. But uh, we'll have Craig on and uh, Barry and I'll toss around the old pigskin with him. See you back in a minute. Hey everyone, Barry and I want to thank you for listening to the Big Monday Show and for those that also read the Going in Circles Digest, again, thank you for your support and for listening to our show, reading our stuff. In that same vein, we want to announce that we are now part of a horse racing centric website It's called RacingHub.com, R-C-N-G-H-U-B. Dot com. It's brand new. We're just slow rolling it out. Uh, it's going to be a spot where you can go for information, for takes, for analysis, for opinions. And they're going to come from us, of course, and others that we feel have unbiased opinions that aren't trying to sell you something that understand racing and the issues and you're going to get a view that is not available in that many other places Uh, we have quite a few people lined up to join us again we're rolling it out slow we're not trying to be anyone else we are ourselves this is our site this is what we're doing we have other partners that are involved as well but we want people to check this out and make suggestions. Tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you think is missing in the horse racing media. Um, we're going to do handicapping. We're going to do uh, coverage of races. We're going to do a lot of different stuff. But we want to hear from you because you guys, uh, you guys are the the listeners. So. Check it out, rcnghub.com, racinghub.com. Hey there, my friend. What is happening, big dog? Uh, Well, it's raining here in uh, upstate New York. It's raining. That's yes, different. It it's better than it's snow, raining. right? It's raining. It's been raining here since July. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. So <laughs> we don't need any more rain. No. Is, is our special guest with us? Yes, he is. What's up, guys? There he is. The Time Lord is here. Craig the- Mokowski, directly from what's that arena called? The Paycom Center. Was it like Hertz Arena or something at some point? Or they just have the big Hertz thing at the top? 
No, we were Chesapeake. Uh, then we were Ford Center. I don't know what the Hertz thing is all about. It's like the Epson Darby, right? They kept selling the uh, was the Ever Ready Darby, then something else. Yeah. Developed. Well, they're about to build the the billion dollar one, so you're gonna have to really pony up to sponsor that baby. Yeah, Orlando's changing their name. Uh, it's no longer going to be the Amway Center, but they haven't told anybody what it's going to be. The so Sniper be, Center. That's what it should be. <laughs> it should be. <you're> right. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. We're doing this podcast at, a, at an earlier hour, so I, I should be a little more functional and may not fall asleep like I'm apt to do when we do it later in the night. But uh, we have lots of issues <laughs> it's an understatement it's it's so like crazy man we, every week we're like man i just hope next week we don't have to deal with all this stuff and we can talk about you know like who is the greatest sprinter of the 90s or something like that instead we get to talk about i don't know incompetent people and stupid people and you know racing people where do you boys want to start sorry <laughs> Let's get right into it. The uh, the infamous DQ. <laughs> Might as well start there. Yeah, the DQ that uh, everyone's talking about is from Saturday at Aqueduct. I think it was the ninth race. It was a $500,000 sire stakes, New York sire stakes race which in itself is a little bit silly that they would have a $500,000 sire stake race and half the field's maidens. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why they don't cut that up into like, like three races and have one now and then have one in January, February. I mean, would seem to make more sense than just having it be an all or nothing, but it is what it is. Um, and I did not, I did not watch the race live. I, I wasn't, paying attention to that i was i was focused on uh, other areas at the time and i saw of course these days it's like the the bat signal goes up when something happens in racing <laughs> like twitter starts blowing up <laughs> like uh-oh something's happening you know and they used to you know they used to have you be on tv and the, you know cbs special report breaking in uh, you know the governor of ohio's been shot you know like these days it happens so so much faster that you know it's all on twitter um who did we lose did we lose someone there nope we're still here no i'm here oh okay um so i i said oh well oh geez you know another naira stewart situation which i mean it's it's just I mean, Barry, how many times have we spoke about Stewart situations? Not just Myra's. Pretty much every week. Like since, on a weekly basis. Or since some the agreement. summer. I mean, even probably even before that. Yeah, last week we had the Laurel Stewart <clears throat> Saturday with the uh, the old mystery. That's the thing in Laurel. In Laurel oh, man, they got the phantom. The phantom they specialize in the phantom calls where, like, nothing happens, but all of a sudden – a horse is not only blinking but DQ'd, and no one's, no, everyone's trying to figure out what happened because nothing actually happened. But in this case, I watched the race, 
And then I looked at the results again, and I was like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I didn't quite comprehend what had happened. And I watched it over again, and then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like the 12, like, what did the 12 do? 12, 12 was running his race. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Um, it was a case where the, the horse on the inside, Antonio of Venice, came out into horses, which is like, you know, how, how things go in New York because the stewards let everything go. Um, it wasn't that dissimilar to what Forte did in the in the uh, the Jim Dandy that, you know, got got to you know, look the other way. They didn't, you know, the commissioner hadn't been elected at that point. But um, <laughs> he wouldn't have said anything anyway. Trust yeah, me. but uh, it was one of those. I, I, oh, you know what it was? I was still livid from the five minute before news that a race that I couldn't name any winners of had been made into a grade one race. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it was like. I actually called Barry and I had to vent and I said, I, I have to vent because I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to do like the, you know, the, the old mo- the, uh, remember the old TV show, the incredible Hulk when he would just like freak out and like, turn it to the Hulk. It was cool. Like I, I was that close to like, just like my head was going to blow up because I'm thinking like how, mu- how, how could this much incompetence be on display in this short of a period? Anyways, uh, obviously, everyone else saw the those two issues. That that was the one thing about I was thinking about today. I was like, man, it's very rare in horse racing where you get like ninety eight percent of the people on one side of an issue. Because I mean, there's always going to be you know some idiot that doesn't agree, but I mean, this is like as close to um, a unanimous. Uh, consensus as, as there is on anything. Yeah, there's not much unity on on horse racing X, but you know when everybody agrees on the same thing, all bets are off, especially when it comes to the tracks. Time Lord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the amazing thing watching was. They didn't even blink the 12. Like at no point did anyone think the 12 was the horse being looked at. We all just assumed it was the one. He was the one blinking. And I guess there's a case could be made. The one could have or should have come down. But like you said, that kind of move where you just bull your way out often doesn't come down in New York. So I just kind of expected an as is. And the next thing I know, the 12 comes down. And I was like, what the hell is going on? It made no sense whatsoever. The horse did absolutely nothing. He maintained his path. We saw later the stewards came out with he failed to relieve pressure or whatever yeah. the hell that means. I mean, <laughs> we've all been following racing for a long, long, long time. And that was a completely new one on me that, that he didn't relieve pressure. I assume that means he's supposed to get the hell out of the way. Yeah, and then then they kind of doubled down on it by giving Alvarado, who rode the twelve, who did nothing wrong, days. Oh. <laughs> like when you think it can't get any worse, they do that. 
<laughs> he literally did nothing. I mean, that was predictable. They almost had to, to, to try to justify the ridiculous decision. His quote, I don't have it in front of me, in the DRF article is just gold, uh, where he's just totally baffled and has no idea uh, what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, this whole idea that he applied pressure, like, what does that mean? I understand what it means, what they're they're trying to interpret it as, but, like, there's no word pressure in the rule book. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. And the fact of the matter is that horse didn't really do anything. I mean, he didn't swerve. He didn't intimidate. He, he didn't come over. He, he literally did what are you supposed to do which is maintain your path but i think the bigger issue is is the well of course you know today we find out that you you're not even allowed to um ask you're not allowed to uh put a protest in um i i that happened to me in kentucky in, in a little bit of a different fashion in that i ran a horse in a race and my horse was struck by the opposing jockey who had dropped his whip and took his helmet cover off and used his helmet cover as a whip. And the race was made official before we had a chance to see that. I mean, I'm, you're, you know, you're standing at the races and you're watching a race outside. It, it's, it's tough to see everything. It's not like you have four different angles. You just have the angle that you're, standing you know there for and and you know to claim foul um is not the easiest thing in the world because you know a lot of times you don't even see until the jock comes back or so what happened was i get a phone call after they made the race official and it was a, a former steward and he said you should file an appeal and he actually told me how to do it and I said, why? He goes, in the Kentucky rule book, you are not allowed to strike a horse with anything but a riding crop or your hand. And if you take the the helmet cover off and, and, and strike the horse, technically that is supposed to be a disqualification. So I said, well, what do I do? He goes, you just write, you know, write a letter to the stewards officially protesting based upon, you know, that rule and bring it in and um he even got me the rule number he had a rule book and gave me the rule number so i went in the next day and i gave the stewards my my formal appeal of their decision or lack there of decision and they set up a hearing and we had a hearing officer and we had videos and the whole thing and i thought i made a pretty good case i mean we didn't get a lawyer because I mean, the rule is interpreted, you know, our, our assumption was that this is the rule. It's up to the, the hearing officer to interpret, you know, was the rule violated or not? And, and, and that would be it. Right. So about a month goes by and I get, um, oh, they call another hearing. So I go in for another hearing and, and the, the hearing officer who's there says that, that, um, and he, and he said it apologetically, even though you are right and the, the application of the rule was not correct by the stewards in this fashion, 
because you didn't claim foul prior to the race being made official, uh, we can't, according to the word of the letter of the law, blah, 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 we can't, ex- we can't do anything about it, basically. He goes, because the race was made official and you didn't claim foul. So there was no, uh, because there was no issue brought up prior to it being made official, we can't uh, just overturn an official decision. And I was like, well, what if, what if we had caught the jockey, like using a buzzer? Right. (laughs) I mean, like would would the results still stand, right? He would get disqualified, wouldn't he? And I mean, I'm not equating using a buzzer with using a helmet cover, but I mean, they're both violations of the rules. So like, like why would one be okay to do and one not be okay? And he didn't have any answer. And he basically said, he goes, you know, you guys going to appeal this to the Kentucky circuit court. And um, I asked the owner and he was like, listen, forget it. (laughs) Right. But you know, but he, he was, like how much money is it going to cost me to chase this this thing and he goes do you really want to do this and i was like no i don't but uh so i i know that the the rules are fuzzy appeals are always fuzzy um and in some places i know there was an appeal in florida and in florida the the appeal is is heard by the the stewards <laughs> so you're appealing their decision to them to them um it's just typical of racing but it, it it's really not racing's fault and I, I mean i made a post today um because people say oh we should boycott naira but naira is not the issue here the issue is the steward stand in the new york state racing and wagering board or whatever they call it now the gaming commission and that those are the people you appeal to. Those are the people whose whose steward has ultimate power in New York. It, it seems in a lot of ways has the power of a dictator because he's the only one that can issue fines and suspensions. I mean, this is a, a group that I think people kind of sometimes ignore the, the business of racing stuff. But they find people who are clerks in the office on because of clerical errors two thousand four thousand dollars over things that really they, they were clerical errors you know i mean they're things that could be fixed there there weren't like big mistakes that that cost people hundreds of thousands of dollars um i mean these are things that typically if if a person was fined for it they would be fined a hundred bucks or 250 bucks these are not people that make big money these are people that make seven eight hundred dollars a week you know and then there was a situation with the clocker. Oh boy. Which which was, you know, <clears throat> just one of the more ludicrous like circumstances that you can you can actually you can't even make this up. I mean, he did nothing wrong. He just adjusted a work. It was the same work to fit a rule that said you had to work four furlongs, not five furlongs, which of course would make no common sense. But you know, they, they suspended him 30 days and, and they fined him $5,000. He went, he, he fought it. He got a, a judge to, to overrule it. And this, the, the racing commission went and re-overruled the judge. Well, it goes to show you how convoluted the whole situation is, at least from 
like a better's perspective or or a fan you don't even know who to who to blame it's hard no. to figure it out i mean you really have to read the fine print in order to see who who's really kind of at fault and it's just it's just way too much work for what it's worth especially since the people that are making these decisions aren't competent at all I think that's one of the things that just is missing in, in this whole equation. It, it, and I think you can apply that to a lot of racing issues. Sure. And there's just no common sense used. And people ask themselves, that all, listen, this is part of the problem why we have a, a perception issue with things. As a, uh, look at the Brad Cox situation with scratching the four horses out of uh, Oklahoma this weekend. They... The guy has a lot of horses in a lot of different places. He has a lot of assistants. He has a lot of veterinarians. And these are the things that happen when you have that situation. The horses were given a legal pre-race treatment, butte. And when they got to Oklahoma, they did it again. Because obviously the vets in Oklahoma and the vets in, in Arkansas aren't the same. They don't work for the same uh, you know, practice. They're, they're different. And it was a mistake by, made by assistant trainers. They caught it and they scratched the horses because if you're entered in a stake, you can scratch because you're paying to run. You can scratch at any time up to like 45 minutes before post time. So you don't have to give a reason. Most of the time, if you scratch out of a regular race, you have to have a reason. You can't just say, ah, I want to scratch. There has to be a reason. It has to be a surface change. It has to be a, uh, you know, the horse is sick. The horse is lame. The horse is got you know stung by a bee there, there's got to be some reason uh, but in this situation they scratched the horses which is embarrassing i'm sure to brad cox i mean you know you're <laughs> you had four horses in stake races all looked like they had a pretty decent shot of, of winning and you wind up scratching them because your people screwed up and and you would think looking at the story that explained that relatively well on HRN that, that, that's out there, everybody, oh my God, this is why racing is so screwed up. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is not why racing is so screwed up. This was just a huge outfit that, that made a mistake because they have too many horses. You know, it's not that difficult to understand, but everybody wants to like make it out to be something that it's not. When we do have actual issues here that, that are actually, you know, <clears throat> causing just mayhem in, in, in a, lot of, a lot of ways. Yeah, it was, time, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had people coming up to me at Remington asking me, oh, do you know what happened with the Cox horses? I was like, no, I have no idea. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's hardly a, a big issue. I'm sure it's embarrassing for him, uh, not just in general, but I'm sure his owners aren't very happy. I didn't look all who the different owners were, but uh, he's going to get punished enough for that, I would think. Uh, just he lost out on some purse money. I mean, he was favored and all three races. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's a pretty minor thing compared to the other things we're talking about. The, uh, the steward situation, the graded stake situation, 
we had another um, Bob Baffert futurity where the the longest of all the the Baffert horses wins owned by the track owner. I mean, you couldn't make this stuff up. If you told a layman about that race that knew nothing about horse racing, they'd swear there was no way it was legal. But, you know, for us, it happens every weekend. I joke about it, but I'm always tweeting, you know, the other Chad or the other other Todd or the other Bob. It, it you know, it's just so many things that are much more important in this game uh, than than what happened with Brad Cox. That's pretty much a nothing burger, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems like that that was supposed to happen that way. You know, he, he figured it out and they, they scratched the horses. Yes, it's embarrassing for him, but he did the right thing in, in the end. And, and he'll live to fight another day instead of getting suspended, running the horses and getting into more issues and trouble and, you know, getting that you know, kind of heat from, from the uh, social media crews and he, he can just move on from it. Um, But a lot of this other stuff is just something that it's, it seems like it's inherently in place. And the only way to kind of rectify it would be to overhaul the people that are making these decisions, get new people in there that know and understand what's going on. But that seems like an impossible task for whatever reason. It, it is an impossible task, and that, that's that's part of the problem. That's part of the frustration. It's part of the frustration that I've felt for a long time. And, and I guess this is kind of mirrors society, but, I mean, stewards used to be people that you kind of looked up to and you were a little bit afraid of. I mean, they were kind of people that, um, you know, they're, it's like going to the principal's office when you had to go to steward's office. And... Right or wrong, you felt like, yeah, maybe you didn't always agree with their decisions, but it, it always seemed like things were done um, in, in a little bit of a different fashion. And, and I get the people back then probably, you know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have a million eyes on everything. We didn't have a, a bunch of people questioning everything, but it just seemed like. I'm trying to think of the word, the right word, but things just seem more legitimate. <laughs> and nowadays, it's like, man, like nobody ever accused Woody Stevens of hopping horses. <laughs> nobody ever said, "Oh, Charlie Whittingham." <clears throat> Charlie Whittingham was was best friends with Doctor Alex Harthill, who was one of the most nefarious vets that ever lived. Most of the issues that that with medication that have come on, he he started them. <laughs> he's the one who first gave horses Lasix. I'm sure he's probably the first one to give him Butte, and, and and that got the ball rolling. But nobody ever would say that about Charlie Whittingham. I mean, it just was a different, you know, time. In that, you know, there there's just so many. Um, There's just so such little regard for, for anything. And, I mean, the game deserves a lot of it because it's given no regard to many of the traditions that they, people couldn't wait to get rid of handicap racing. They couldn't wait to give it rid of I, I remember saying, why, why do they want to get rid of <laughs> handicap racing? That seems like it, it's, it's the best option at the top of the game for, for the best horses in trying to provide, 
you know, competitive races. And then, oh, it's unfair to the best horses. Well, the best horses, if, if they win all the time, it becomes, you know, like, how is that good for the, the, the sport as a whole? But it was ignored. And, and what did we do? We got rid of them for the most part. And what happens now? Horses don't even run. And, and the whole point was, oh, horses will run more if, if you don't have to do, if they don't have to carry that much weight, then they, they, they'll run more. And what happened? Nothing. They, they run less. Everything yep. that, that's going on has caused, like the old saying for every action is a reaction. In racing, we keep ignoring all the reactions. Everything that we've done has hurt racing. Uh, people complained about, you know, ah, oh, Lasix. We got to get rid of Lasix. Yeah, well, look what's happened. Let's get rid of Lasix. You get rid of Lasix yep. and stake races, and what happened? Field sizes are smaller, and they're running less. And right. they're running. Horses are running exactly. Everything. It was the same thing. The same argument against steroids. Um. I'm not advocating that people should be able to just give steroids whenever they want. Not at all. But what they did was they, they, they got rid of something after never having regulated at all. And they, they got rid of it. And the whole point was, oh, well, this is going to make horse racing better. This is going to make horses sounder. This is going to that. And it didn't. <laughs> it's, it did the opposite. And that that's the thing is you keep taking away things and you keep changing things and you keep running fewer dates and you keep running shorter races and, and believing that it's going to get better, but it keeps getting worse. Yet no one says, Hey, maybe some of these changes that we've made, um, we should go the other way. I mean, we've talked about the great stakes situation for years now. And, you know, someone said to me, well, or it was uh, Al on, on Twitter. Oh, Naira needs to, you know, readjust his stake schedule, great stake schedule. Well, Naira can't just do it themselves because it's all connected. If Naira takes a stake away from this weekend, to, so they have a race set up in the summer. The second week is this this particular class in this particular race. All right, if they eliminate that race, they say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get rid of that race. We're gonna move that race. You know what's gonna happen? Mama's going to run a race in that sec that that same weekend, <laughs> because that's how it goes. Because it's all it's all it's all people are national now. All the stables are national. They'll go anywhere for the to to run in these races. And as such, when one track does something, when one race is downgraded, the horses just go to a different race. And and in the end, you don't wind up doing much except shuffling the deck. You're not really fixing a problem. You're just trying to, to you know, put Band-Aids on them. And you know, the greatest stake schedule was supposed... Jay Hubdy did a really good article the other day about it. And one of the points he made was that this was supposed to be modeled after the pattern races of Europe, which set a schedule for graded races in order to get the best horses to race against each other and not duck exact, which is exactly what's happened here by not having any scheduling. They're just letting tracks run them. And they have this, this ludicrous formula that they use. And I have no idea what formula they could have used to make the Frank <laughs> grade one. Well, conventional wisdom would kind of tell you that 
that's something that should be done at a symposium or like a, you know, winter league, you know, uh, meeting situation where they can hash these things out, make the schedule, have it kind of fit as best they can for, for all the major tracks and then move on. But they don't even talk to each other about this stuff and they just do things and put races wherever and it ruins you know, the, the quality of the races, you know, I mean, how many times have we talked about it during the summer where they had three grass races for three-year-olds at three different tracks in three weeks. All the time. The, 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 the best, the best, um, the easiest one to understand is, is the Oaks. The yeah. Second, the Oaks. Secondary Oaks. Yep. When Indiana, Iowa, Delaware, Monmouth and Delaware all <clears> ran their Oaks within three weeks of each other. Now, how does that make any sense? See, now, like I said, if I was the greatest stakes committee, I would call all representative of those tracks and say, listen, this is what you want to do. You guys want to maintain your grade. Here's what you're going to do. Work at either. Either we're going to assign you a date or. And, and if you don't run on that date, then we're taking your grade or you guys work it out amongst yourselves. But we want them at least four weeks apart. And that's all there is to it. You know, so, you know, either do it or you both lose your grades. And I mean, what would tracks do if they want to keep their grades? They would have to have to go along with it. The system doesn't have to be like this. This is a self-created system. And they're going to tell you some nonsense about the international blah, 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 blah. (laughs) None of this shit matters to racing. It only matters to sell horses. And the fact of the matter is, you can put anything. Like, we could start our own grading committee. We could grade the races ourselves. And we could every year we could assign grades to all the races if we wanted to. They don't have to listen to it, but we could do it. I mean, there's no law that says, hey, these races have to be graded. These races have to be graded by this group of people and this and that. this is you don't have to change any any you don't have to go to any politicians you, you don't have to spend any amount of significant money to make this better but nobody wants to and that that's the problem is the people like us care about it the people that listen to the show take enough time out of their lives to listen to our rambling they care they they obviously care the people that 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 are frustrated enough to voice their their opposition or their their uh, disgust on twitter they care and it's like why like oh we're gonna boycott naira because we don't like the new york state racing wagering board we don't like the decision like you think the new york state racing wagering board or the steward give a shit like (laughs) definitely not i I told one guy i said man a lot of you people wildly underestimate the ability of state employees and people who are bureaucrats to completely ignore everything else that happens in the world other than getting that getting that paycheck every two weeks (laughs) yeah having worked for the federal government for 23 years i can definitely attest to that one (laughs) yeah I, i think that's the thing is like We've gone so far beyond boycotts, it, it just isn't going to happen. Because truthfully, in in some ways, some of the tracks they might be happy. They might use it as as 
I know this. If, if everyone boycotted betting Yonkers, and, and, and the next time they ran a card there, and they handled fifty bucks, they'd MGM, fold up shop. MGM would would, would fold up. They they'd send the they'd get the Concord out of retirement to take it up to Albany to say, look, nobody bets our races. Make us make make us uh, what do they call it? Decoupled. Make it where we don't have the sports anymore. There's a lot of places like that. Think about all the racetracks that exist in this country. Not just the big ones, the little ones too. Think about people when you, you go to the racetrack and, and they put forth very little effort. And there are tracks that make that. I'm not saying that they don't are all like this. But there's a lot of tracks, especially the harness tracks. They put zero effort. I mean, they don't even have a single concession stand. There's some tracks that, that lock all the doors to go outside except one. <laughs> You can't even go to the apron. You got to go find the one door that, that's open. I mean, that's how little they care. They won't advertise it. They, they just, they know at some point that the politicians will, they will want that money and they'll come and get it. And, and it's just, it's going to happen. I mean, it's not a possibility. It's definitely going to happen. We just don't know if it's going to happen now or in five years or in 20 years, but it's going to happen. And, it just feels like the people that work for racetracks, and I'm not talking about the grunts, I'm not talking about the people, you know, working in the racing office or the people that work in the marketing office. I'm talking about the the upper management people. And I, I just feel like a lot of them don't even feel as though they are racetrack executives. They feel like they're gaming company executives. And that's that's the big problem because, you know, like where where's the incentive? I mean even Churchill, look at Churchill. I mean, they're everything's derby centric there. Everything's Kentucky centric, and, and why shouldn't it be right? Because Kentucky has, uh, you know, slot money up up the ass, and purses are, <laughs> they have so much purse money they don't know what to do with it all. Speaking of which, how how about the audacity of California asking them to help? I I don't know that. <clears throat> I tried to find out if there was actually any person that, that, that uh, in any f- official capacity <laughs> that, that said this, and, and it doesn't appear that that's so. It appears that uh, this was a lame-brained idea by somebody who's lame-brained. I mean, clearly. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to know anything about horse racing to know that state politicians are never going to send money. That, that's derived in one state to another one for nothing. <laughs> not, not in 2023, 2024. This no way. Like, this isn't like Kentucky is going to, you know, hey, we're going to, we're building a bridge from, from here to Ohio. So we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to lend them money because, I mean, this is, oh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to support California horse racing by sending, I mean, me becoming a jockey's got a better chance of happening i'd love to see that actually oh my god i've seen some of those amateur races driver isn't off the table yeah you're right about that man yeah we we were talking about that before we were going to get our amateur driver's license and just we're going to get every time 
Barry is going to get a license. He's just going to be like the early fires of Harness. It just fires at Elite every single time, but we just haven't got it done. But so, uh, Time Lord, you were at the you were at the races the other day, right? Yeah, Friday night. I went for Over the last. Friends. Yeah, the last price four or five races. I think I was there. I was it. Yeah. Uh, it was fine. It was a little cold, not too bad. Um, it was pretty much a massive speed bias, I would say. I haven't even checked my own ratings to see if the bright red popped up yet, but I would think that it did because it just didn't matter how fast you went when you went to the front. Um, you just kept going. Probably the highlight was getting to uh, run into Steve Bick who I went and saw it out, hanging out on the apron. He looked very frozen, though he denied it. <laughs> he said, no, no, I'm fine, but he was shivering the whole time. But Steve's always great to run into. I went and saw a couple of the, the TVG guys, um, Scott, Scott Hazelton and Joaquin Jaime. Uh, they're two guys I've met over the years, just great guys. I know everybody gives those guys a hard time. I would say 98% of the people I've ever met in person are just good dudes that, that yeah, like horse racing. Nice. Like, yeah, like we do. I mean, they're doing a job on TV. If you want to give them a hard time, so be it. But you just got to realize that they're people and they're they're good guys. I love going and talking to them every time. Yeah, it was it was. It's good that they cover some of those races like that. Yeah, they usually come in for the Derby. I've Met Rich Perloff over the years, uh, Dave Weaver, uh, just at Remington. I mean, I've ice met cold, ice cold. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave is great too. I uh, found out they they go golfing, weather permitting. So I'm going to try to make them take me next time. Uh, but the racing was fine. The Cox uh, scratches cast a little bit of a pall on it, but the uh, the big one, the Springboard Mile, was. Uh, quite the battle down the stretch. So that, that was a fun one. I think the Steve Asmussen horse wound up winning. That was a battle of two favorites, but they were uh, nose and nose for quite a while with a big gap back to third. So yeah, good solid race. I think they still give out derby points if they don't use Lasix. I don't know if any horses has, has ever made the derby because of that. Uh, I know the horse <laughs> that ran second in the Cigar Mile. He was a big winner of it here. Uh, he's still running. His name is escaping me right now, but a good horse who's mostly California-based. Started out in New Mexico. You guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I do. Senior Buscador? Yes, that's the one. Yes, I'm talking about speed bias. Oh, that day, that was ridiculous, <laughs> the speed bias at Aquinox. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, what was I, gonna, I was about to say? You guys go ahead. It'll come back to me what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes people, like, I think more, Barry and I, our, our conversations regarding the the way racing is covered it's not personal against the people doing it i think a lot of times we just feel like people are being asked to do things that are are not great with their skill sets and uh you know asking trainers to handicap races is one thing asking them to put bets together is a completely different thing and i don't think that the producers i don't think that uh a lot of the racing executives they kind of lump everything in together and you know it's kind of like 
racing gets lumped in together sometimes when you talk to non-racing people and 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 they confuse you know thoroughbred racing with with harness racing steeplechase with cool yeah right and it, to them it's it's just all it's all racing and i think that's sometimes what our focus is is more on the presentation and not the people per se because like you said most of the people are, are, are good are good guys they're just um it, it just becomes well i i mean you know one of the complaints we have on the fox show especially is is that they're just on too long yeah you know, they're on for hours and hours and hours and you know they, just, they split it up but it's still just five days or four or five days a week uh same people uh, yeah, they can wear on you. Before we get too deep, I finally remember what I was going to say. And since we're airing our grievances, we're coming up on Festivus. Uh, okay. on <laughs> yeah, this is a Festivus edition of the... Yeah, yeah, the Festivus edition of the Going in Circles. And, you know, I don't go to the track nearly as much as I used to unless, like, I'm traveling or I go to Remington, you know, maybe every two weeks. Uh, I was a little less this year, but... One, one thing I, that really sticks out, you know, I'm a guy that plays from home and it's easy to track the odds and check double will P's and all that stuff. But it's not so easy when you're at the, at the track and Friday night at Remington was just horrific for lead odds changes. I mean, oh man, I, it was brutal. Yeah. I don't know how anybody could play seriously being on track uh, unless you're just entirely focused, which for me, when I go to the track and play, it's more a social thing. So it's just, it's not a big deal for me. But just watching that, sitting in, they, they have a restaurant called The Brewery, which is where I usually watch the races from, grab something to eat and drink, and, and just seeing them change as the horses are loading and, and leaving the gate. I just don't know how these, how anybody could bet tracks, a track like that seriously if you're not at home and able to kind of know what's coming because it, it was just insane how hard the odds were changing. I saw the other day there was a big complaint about uh, Tampa had a horse that went from 23 to 1 um, at the start of the race to, to 8 to 1. 8 to 1, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, that was one of the things that really bothered me about the symposium was that one panel uh, dealing with the CAWs and, and even race, the one with, with Racing's Future. <clears throat> Is that this is a problem? This is a big, big, big problem, and nobody seems to want to deal with it. And and that that is is something that really gets. It, it just obviously is is it, it's, it's so obviously. We hear so many times. Barry and I get a lot of feedback from people, and our demographics on the show are are not. We we aren't in the uh, the eighteen to thirty three <laughs> demographic that well. Mostly, it's 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 people who are, are thirty five and older. Yeah, thirty five and up. People that are that are kind of closer to our our era of racing, and and so many people say the same thing, and we see it on Twitter, and you see it all over the place. You you talk to people, and then they say it. I don't come as much. It's not as interesting. I'm sick of the that the, the late odds changes. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of the, you know four horse racism, and it's the same issues. I mean, these are the most identifiable issues that we have in this sport. It's not like there's some hidden stuff that's kind of killing everybody. It, it's it's all the stuff that's right out in front 
And everybody wants to justify why it happens instead of trying to fix it. It's like why there won't be any problem, why, why people don't get fired, why, why often the person that hired them doesn't want to fire them or doesn't want to, to reprimand them publicly because they feel it'll be a poor reflection on them. And it's, it's an epidemic. I mean, this is the most basic part of racing outside of horses running in a circle is betting on them and, and the odds that you get. How, how is this not like a, a, a fundamental, like a monumental problem? And how do we not get anybody paying attention to it? No, I've said before, this is the only sport or the only gambling game where you win and people get mad, like <laughs> sometimes really mad. Like in no other sport does that happen. You know, you win, you're happy and you can't even argue. I know it's happened to me where, you know, I bet a horse that was 20 to one and pays $14. And I'm not talking about at a place like Charlestown or Mahoning Valley. I'm talking Del Mar, you know, or it could happen anywhere. And it's just one of those where, you know, it, it, it changes how much you would bet. And I, I'm not saying it's a paramutual game. Odds are going to change. We all know that. But we grew up in times where if a horse was two to one and he got hit down to eight to five, that was huge. I mean, that was like, wow, that horse really got hit late. Now that's like you're thrilled if you bet a horse that's two to one. In the right. And he doesn't end up one to five. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's even alarming, more alarming to me is that there is no pathway to change. There's no rumblings about changing anything. There's no you know, I guess there's no incentive for the tracks to change. I don't know, but I mean, there's no change on the horizon, no thought of change, no sense. No, I of mean, Nivers, Niver did it to their, to their, um, <clears throat> I don't know, to their credit, I guess they cut them off with two minutes to post and by and large, it has gotten rid of, of the late odds changes, but that's only in the straight pools. Now all we hear at Niver is when a horse pays $14 and, the second place horse is eight to one. Everybody bitches because the exacta came back $25. So it's just kind of shuffling the, uh, the bad cards around as opposed to getting rid of them. Yes. That that's the truth. I mean, and, and Barry, the, the incentive should be that they can make more money. Well, yeah, I know that, you know that, but how, how, how do they not see it? That's the part that I don't understand. It just makes no sense to me how you run this business for years and years and years decades and you still don't understand it in 2024 yeah yeah i, I i'm with you man and it's complicated in <coughs> some fashion that it's not easy to just you know we all want to just make wave a magic wand and say okay they should do this they should just lower take out the to 10 percent well a lot of things have to happen in order to do those things and that that's the thing is that it's it's a lot more uh, complicated and it's complicated in some ways because the industry has added fees um, and they're just not going to want to give them back but the, a lot of times those are the things that, that are, are preventing growth there's no growth and that 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 is the argument that I've had against people that, that cheer tracks closing 
I, I mean, where, how are we going to contract our way to growth? That doesn't make any sense, man. You know, if, if we had, if everything was, was, was going full steam ahead, except there was a couple really underperforming tracks that were causing a lot of issues. Yeah. You know what? You cut those off and, and that's fine. You, you continue to try to grow or you find different areas of the country or whatever, but just wholesale tracks closing is not good. It just leads to more tracks closing. And eventually it's not like, Oh, well, this track closed and that track closed and this track closed. I mean, look in the East Coast. Look how many tracks have closed. And yet, we still have short fields everywhere. And the small tracks close, yet the small tracks are still having the other small tracks that are left. They're, they're still not getting big fields. It's because people get out. And, and that's part of the problem that there's just lack of recognition of what we really are. We're a regional game. I mean, we are a regional game. <clears throat> it's just recently that people have become national followers of race. Like all of us, 25 years ago, we didn't have access to every track running. We didn't have access to 3 o'clock in the morning to bet Hong Kong. You know, we, we couldn't bet English races. We, we couldn't. We bet whatever menu we got at the, well, at the simulcast location where we were. That was it. I hardly and knew what Hollywood Park looked like. Everything was regional. <laughs> All the problems were regional. And it's a, it's a lot easier to solve problems. And it's a lot easier to, to do things on, on a, a basis. I mean, Hong Kong gets kicked around a lot about being you know great. And it is. Hong Kong's great. But Hong Kong is, is like fantasy land for us. Like people say, oh, we should do like it, it's fantasy land. It's, it's never going to happen. It's like your local high school saying, you know what we should do? We should build a stadium like the Dallas Cowboys do. And, and we should, you know, we, we should build a, a, a $12 million train facility. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sounds great. But uh, that's never going to happen. Just like we're never going to be Hong Kong because Hong Kong is in a location where they're the only game in town. They have a monopoly. And Hong Kong is, is, is a, a small place with a lot of people. I mean, it'd be great to be able to, to have do things like they do, but it's never going to happen. So stop trying to, to, to say, well, we should do it like this. It's not going to happen. But I guess the point was that you know, when, we, when things were regional... <clears throat> If there was issues in California, they weren't really our problem. And if there was a horse broke down in California race, well, we didn't see it. And what's happened now is that with having no national organizations, really, it's just let the there's nothing to kind of there's no umbrella. To, to deal with problems. There's no place to, 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 to even go to, to complain. There's very little media that, that's actually not just PR. And there's very few organizations and, and big big names in this game that don't want that. They, they, they want PR. They don't want real question marks. Well, you see how our uh, self-anointed commissioner was saying, you know, all the negative press and all that stuff, but Honestly, what what positive press could we provide? Captain Mike. <laughs> the captain. 
That's the captain. <laughs> the captain of the sinking ship. But you're you're right, and and like, it's just um, I guess racing was ignored for so long, and I mean these days, what what industry doesn't have negative? hit um, stories about it. I mean, everything's political. Right? I mean, these days, everything's political. Half the people are for you. Half the people are against you. And in the end, the truth is most people don't really have an opinion until you're forced to have an opinion because it's just thrown in your face so much. But, I mean, nothing is nothing happens these days without somebody taking a, a kind of a, you know, the, the, the prism of yeah, wow, that guy gave a, a lot of money, you know, to that charity. But you know, what were his real goals? You know, he's just trying to avoid taxes, or he might be getting divorced, or he stole the money, or you know, it's like you can't even do good deeds without someone taking an angle against you for some reason, perhaps because of your your political persuasion or. Um, you know, the, what, what, what race you are or, or what sex you are. I mean, that is actually a thing. And, and why would racing, which doesn't have any vehicle to promote itself positively, or, whose leaders have been, uh, you know, or, or proclaimed leaders, not, not, the, not Captain Mike, but the, the, the jockey club, has done nothing but shit on in the industry for the last 10 years trying to get this, this, this regulation bill passed that they finally have got passed that, that really isn't doing anything positive. I mean, there's all, all these thought processes that everything was going to be saved and like, what's better? In the end, it, it just matters what we all think because this isn't like a, a, a company that pays out dividends and they're not paying dividends. It, it, this, this is not, you know, like our participation is is volunteer is voluntarily for the most part whether you're an owner whether you're a better you know if, if you work in the industry for the vast majority of people that work in the industry there's there's better jobs out there to pay more probably make it work less yeah so, especially these days they're begging people to work so so so, so my, my thing is like like what what do we expect does Joe Drake give us a fair shake? Probably does. He, he's probably slanted against. I mean, he's not a particular <laughs> favorite of mine, but he also brings up a lot of things that, that probably uh, are true. And there's just like the 60 minutes piece, like, like Barry and I said, like what was in that piece that like we didn't already know, but it wasn't like it was, they made stuff up. <laughs> right. It, it was regurgitated news, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't deceptive. It, it just was, you know, it was more, more than anything, it was kind of lazy reporting because they just, they just reported the same stuff you could spend uh, 30 seconds Googling and come up with, you know, similar stuff. But I, I, I just don't see it because, you know, if you, if you talk negatively about a track. Or, or a favored son at a track, they'll, they'll deny your credentials. Look, look, 
look how they, they the photographer situation. Oh man. <laughs> if you if you bring a, a camera in a racetrack, they will like accost you like you brought a, a, a an AR fifteen. Oh no 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 no! <clears throat> they handle the those those uh, you know media credentials out for photographers. What well, like they're you know like you're trying to cover the royal wedding or something. Well, meanwhile, everybody has a camera on their person anyway. Oh, they're trying to protect the track photographer who they, they you know, who who sells, you know, sells uh, pictures, and I'm, I'm sure the track gets a piece. So, if a, a normal person went to the racetrack and was going to take pictures of the track, even, <clears throat> which of course would be would be good news. Right, that that would be positive. People taking pictures of tracks and horses and people and stuff. They're not. Allowed, they're not allowed to do it. It's crazy, you know. I mean, we're we're a business that we're dying for for exposure. Yeah, I've seen that photographer thing come and play here at Remington where, I mean, yeah, they're not going to say anything if you got your phone, but <gasps> you come in with a really nice camera and you're standing by the <laughs> winner's circle, forget it. Uh, they will ask you to leave. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you kidding me? I mean, who, I, I have nothing against photographers, obviously. And, but I mean, you know, it's, it just seems weird. I mean, do they think there's a uh, people going around selling? What, what is the market? For, for horse racing photos. Oh, I remember, Gary, remember a couple of years ago on Twitch, that guy was... Uh, oh, yeah, he was streaming races. He was streaming races, and they were handicapping, and he, he was, you know, basically trying to do what the industry doesn't do. He was trying to educate people, explain bets, explain PPs um, uh, on harness races, and, and <laughs> you know, races from tracks that... Believe me, they, they, they weren't handling a million dollars a race. Right. And, and, uh, Send them the cease and desist letter. <laughs> RTN, RTN jumped on them and acted like that they were, um, you know, like they were robbing the vault. There's some guy in, on Twitch. He had like 18 followers. And, of course, he went public with it because, you know, he was pissed off because he's just trying to actually help the game. And But that's how, that's how we're treated. And no one says, hey, you know what, let's work together. And, and, and you know what, that's a, actually a really good idea. Maybe we can do this and, and maybe, you know, just uh, perhaps we could start something or we could. No, they do the opposite and they circle the wagons and, and everybody sucks. Meanwhile, most racetracks don't even have a publicity office. The marketing done is basically uh, beer festivals and, and, and food, food trucks. trucks. Right. Um, it's just it's just a crazy way of of operating yeah something similar happened with youtube where there used to be tons of old races like really really good races that people had uh got from like that old espn show and even before that and had a channel and who having those posted uh, hurt? I have no idea, but they kept getting cease and desist orders. And now most of those races are gone, probably gone. lost forever. There's just so much. 
I get like why rights holders are, are, are protective of, of their property, but like, what are those things worth? Those old replays? They're worth nothing, man. Seriously, like, what could they possibly be worth? What monetary value could they, they have? Almost nothing. And it's not even people trying to use them for commercial purposes. It's not like we we we, we stole someone's song and we put a we put it in front of an, an ad that we were selling something from. I, I get why you know people have copyrighted things and and you're not allowed to just use them without their permission. But so much of of what happens in racing is just it, it just goes. Um, you know, unnoticed and people say, well, what about the good stories? <clears throat> who's writing them? <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> but who's writing them? I mean, there's great stories out in racing that that's the craziest thing about horse racing is that I, I, I remember saying this one time, I said, you know, I, I was a Saratoga and uh, remember the guy, the thoroughbred corporation guy. Uh, oh yeah. The big tall guy the Saudi Arabia. Yes. He owned uh, Point Given. and Yeah. Yep. So I remember one day watching a race from Saratoga, and he was there watching the replay. And standing next to him was the groom, was a, just a groom, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> where else in the world could you get a, a guy from Saudi Arabia? Who's Literally the richest guy in the world. Right. A guy worth a billion dollars standing next to a guy that, that probably snuck across the border. You know, and they're watching the same thing with the same level of interest, standing three feet away from each other. I mean, it just isn't something that that happens very often. And that's the thing about racing is you have this this huge divergent group of people that that are attracted to it, and yet we seem not to be able to come up with anything that. Anything but but bad stories, and and I get that bad stories sell, but there's nobody out there left to produce these things. I mean, even the Fox Show. I mean, I don't watch it, so as second information from mostly from you and Barry, but um, you know, it's the same canned features over and over again. You can only watch the same thing so many times, and I get it, you know, but but who is out there to do these? to do it i mean who who's out there to, to push it it's it's you know th- those are the questions i i would ask instead of why don't we publish good stories well who's out there to publish them i mean there's a lot of young people out there and and there's one thing that we can all attest to being young when you're young you're, you're a lot more willing to work and you're a lot more willing to work for 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 nothing which is you know kind of an industry trait but no one gives people chances. No one, no one's saying, you know, what we want to hear from younger people. Everybody's wanting to say, well, you know, this is what we need to do to attract younger people, but we don't actually, you know, bring in any younger people. And I, I mean, like, I, I've talked about this. I haven't talked about it in a while, but in areas like Southern California and Florida, especially Texas, I'm sure. Um, why aren't we focusing in on um, the Hispanic community? I mean, look such at the, a missed opportunity. Look at the names of the riders. 
they're all Hispanics. So why wouldn't it be natural that, you know, the grooms, a lot of the trainers, why, why aren't we promoting these things to them? <laughs> you know, like, I know Gulfstream has. I know Gulfstream's done quite a bit, mm. but it took forever. <clears throat> it took forever. And why why is this so hard to, to I mean, Barry spoke about, um, you know, the lack of African-Americans in, in, in horse racing. And, like, why would they show up here? Because there's no one, I mean, who are they going to identify with that they can see on TV? Nobody. Or in person or anywhere. Right. Nobody. Nobody. And, and that makes it harder. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, like I always used to say or still say, it's the way we used to always do things. And they're refusing to change. And that's what's creating a lot of the issues. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, the greatest stakes thing is another thing. It's just so easy to fix. I don't want to hear this bullshit about oh, we got a standard, but that that's nonsense. <laughs> it, 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 it just, it's just nonsense. I mean, how can you? There, there are certain races that every year we 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 like. Scratch our heads and say, how did this race not get downgraded? How, how is the Hollywood Derby a grade one? Like, what, what says grade one about a, a late <clears throat> season straight three-year-old turf race? <laughs> yeah, and yet we it. have a, a race like the Vosburgh gets downgraded. And look, I'm all for downgrading races and cutting races, but how can the Franklin Simpson get upgraded to a grade one and a race that has had two champions win it the last two years be downgraded? I mean, it makes no sense. And I know the field was weak. Somebody pointed that out on Twitter, but if you're getting eclipse award winners in your race, I don't think it should be downgraded to a grade three. It makes no sense. It, it, it should, it shouldn't have been a grade one. And, and I, I, I was against, like, I railed against that being grade one. I said, come on, at some point, we got to, you know, be realistic. But it, it's perfectly fine as a grade two. And your point is, is very strong in that it produced two Breeders' Cup winners. The Franklin, the, the Franklin Simpson has produced zero Breeders' Cup winners. It's produced zero Breeders' Cup anything. Like produced zero Derby. graded stakes winners. The Hollywood Derby. How is that a grade one? When a month before the Breeders' Cup was run right up the road, and, and none of the horses were even remotely considered for it. How can you not even be considered for a, 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 the biggest turf race we run in this country, yet you're, 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 you're going to run a month later against, against restricted stakes company, and it's, it's supposed to be a grade one race? Like, who in the right mind would take those fields, the field for the Breeders' Cup turf, the Breeders' Cup turf mile, and, and the Breeders' and, and, and the Hollywood Derby, <clears throat> say these three are the same. Well, not only that, they're putting it on the same plane as the Kentucky Derby. You know, I, I guess, you know, upgrading that race to a grade one is just a travesty because it's not reflective of what the actual race is about. 
Well, I was talking about the Hollywood Derby, which somehow retained. That one too. I mean, it's the but same. But that's my point. My point same is same situation. Like, even the yeah. Kentucky Derby, like it's gonna most races will pale compared to that. Which but is, that's okay. That's okay. But, but how 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 do you how do you have a race in the same state within thirty days from each other for the same class with two options of race of distances and none of the horses were were could could would be less than a hundred to one in the race. I mean, that's just like, what more do you need? How, how can the Breeders' Cup turf, the Breeders' Cup turf mile and the Hollywood Derby and the, with the matriarch, how could they all be the same grade? Yeah. We need a new tier of elite races, really. Right. We talked about that before. Remember we were saying the super elite or like grade one, a, yeah. Triple Crown Breeders' Cup, and you could probably come up with maybe seven to ten others, and that would be it. And nobody would even – I mean, I'm sure people would argue it, but they wouldn't have a real argument. Uh, horses just don't run enough to support the number of top-quality races that we have anymore. It, it just is, is – I mean, we every year we go through the Triple Crown season and we keep saying – these races should not be grade one races and there's just no logic to doing it other than breeders. And why should the breeders have a say? Most breeders don't breed to race. They breed to sell. So why, why should they have a say in what we do with racing? We don't tell them what to do with, with the breeding. I just, that, that's one of the, the problems that exists. I mean, the, the obvious, uh, the obvious, issue with having grade one races as derby preps yeah the preps oh, is, man. is that you have taken a division the three-year-old colts going along on the dirt and you divide it up every time you run three ways you got one in california <clears throat> you got one in the midwest you got one in the east and then when you know when 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 aqueduct starts to race you know, the bigger, the graded races. So now you have one in New York, you have one in Florida, you have one in New Orleans, you have one in Oakland, you have one in California. How is it possible that those are, you can divide uh, a division five different ways and have all those races be grade one races? Yeah, and don't forget three of, two or three of them, be, or any of them be grade one races. None of those races should be grade one races. The grade one race is the Derby and the Preakness, and it would help the Preakness immensely if it was a grade one race and these other races weren't. Yep, that's probably the best way to help the Preakness that I've heard bandied about yet. It's just it's just common sense. Like you guys said, the, the Triple Crowns, the Met Mile, uh, the Travers, the, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's set races that are yeah. just better races the oaks probably yeah yeah kentucky oaks most but not all of the breeders cup races some of the breeders cup races some of the breeders I mean, Cup races have no class like like why why would a, the, the juvenile turf sprint be a, 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 a an extra special grade one i mean it's a pen derby it's, you know we we made the case for that one too we made the paid case for the pen derby because i said if, if you're gonna have um the big three-year-old races are the Haskell and the Travers and the Pennsylvania Derby. You could have a second part of the year triple crown. Why that has never been, I mean, I know for a fact that 
I mean, I can say his name because he, he's he's really not you know involved. But but Sal Sinatra pitched that idea to Mammoth and to New York, and when he was at, at Parks, and and they basically no one had any interest in it, which is baffling because you, when you think about the Triple Crown, it is by far the most popular series of races we have, and it's like it's like uh you know not not it's not not a close battle it's it's we we get tens of millions of people watching those races versus everything else the breeders cup we didn't even get a million so i mean in, in the public's eye the triple crown races are it and if you could have an extension on that where you already have a, a marketing vehicle Right, the second half of the year triple crown. You already have a marketing vehicle, the triple crown. You're 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 advertising all the horses. People kind of know their names, and you couldn't. You you, you mean to tell me you couldn't sell that? But what we don't try because Pennsylvania. Oh, you know what the the, the the thought process was. Well, you know, Nairi didn't want to do it because they didn't want to be the quote unquote preakness with the Travers in between the other two races. You're still in between. What are right. we going to do with the Jim Dandy? It didn't Dandy? change anything. <laughs> what, what are we going to do with the Jim Dandy? Uh, I'll do whatever you want with the Jim Dandy. Right. <laughs> but the other races are, are, you know, have a bonus. Give out money. I, I, I mean, it would be the most logical thing going. Not to mention, since everybody, quote-unquote, trains up to the Breeders' Cup, it isn't like they'd be missing anything and skipping any other races. I mean, it's it's easy to do. It really is easy to do. I, I mean, the idea we had, I, I sent you guys a link the other day about um, the Breeders' Cup contacting Netflix or Apple TV or, or Amazon and saying, hey, you know what? We have a package of races for you. And Dream it out, homie. We'd really like to do. Uh, we, we'd really like to put together uh, something like the Formula One has, where we kind of, you know, behind the scenes, blah 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 blah. I mean, honestly, it's it's a no brainer. The, w- the way we have it now, nobody's watching our races. The Breeders' Cup is held in front of people that that spend a couple thousand dollars, or. Um, and and no one else on USA Network. And I don't I don't know for a fact that they haven't contacted them, but I will guarantee you that they haven't. Anyways, I know the Time Lord has to go. Yeah, it's I got a few minutes, but I gotta get ready for the game, and uh, so I will leave you guys here soon. But I really do appreciate you having me on. Uh, I don't always get to talk so freely and it's kind of a pleasure to talk racing without having to come on and just talk about races and give picks and not that I mind doing that. Cause I don't, I, I love handicapping races, but you know, it's just something different that I, I enjoy. Well, we appreciate being on here and it's technically illegal to, to, to give picks on the show. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well that's a good thing if anybody listened to the uh the forecast from friday didn't give very many good picks we had a good winner at the end but the first four legs most of our horses you needed uh, binoculars to find them at the finish line so uh, uh, listen man you, you can't you can't be expected to give out winners every single week 
Nah, that Oakland is tough, man. Especially in December. Uh, yeah, it's always it's always wet track. That's what. Yeah, it's a funky place. track. It's horses coming from everywhere. They're giving out a bazillion dollars. Uh, so yeah, it, it can be very tough. But I just want to let you guys know I appreciate what you guys do every week. Uh, I know I'm your friend and we talk off of it, but I, I don't <laughs> often, you know, we're kind of, we're guys. We're not nice to each other like that, but. Um, yeah, I know several people who listen to you. I've turned a few of my friends on to you. One guy listens to you, my best friend from high school. He listens to you guys, a guy named Ken Beck, uh, before he listens to mine. So I give him give him shit about that. Uh, Ken, good man, Ken. Our All man. right, Ken. <laughs> yeah, one of these days I'll, I'll have you. As soon as we get some him. merchandise, Ken is getting some. All That's right, right, he's a he's a Charlestown guy. Uh, we spent many uh, a night at Charlestown. I can remember driving from Baltimore, and this is in the days before uh, communications were so easy, and uh, driving, leaving, saying, hey, you guys going to run tonight? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're running, you know, in the middle of December, and we get to (laughs) Charlestown and no running, so we'd wind up going bowling or something. It was always (laughs) something, but yeah, those were the days. Man. People have no idea. Younger people have no idea how hard we used to have to work. To make- oh, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. No idea. Some of the things that we did, uh, even as late as the 90s, I remember being stationed at Andrews Air Force Base and on my lunch hour, driving down the Baltimore Washington Parkway, changing out of my uniform uh, into different clothes just to run in, buy a racing form, had a horse I wanted to bet. I'd be in and out. They didn't even charge me admission. They all knew me. I was like, look, I'm just going to get a form, make one bet. And yeah, admission was still a thing back then. Uh, and I'd be back out driving down. I'm sure if a cop ever saw me getting changed in the car doing 70 miles an hour, uh, I probably would have got pulled <laughs> over. But <laughs> luckily that never happened. But you guys are so right. I mean, it was uh, not easy to, to bet on horses sometimes. I, I can remember, especially being in the on the East Coast in the winter, you never knew who was going to cancel, and it wasn't the easiest information to find out. I can remember driving to Garden State Park to find out it was closed, and uh, just fun time. So it's just really good that, that you guys do this show. I really appreciate it. I have laughs uh, when you reminisce about the old days. I like you talking about the issues, so keep up the good work. Hey, do me a favor. Tell, tell Chad Holmgren, keep on keeping on. Yeah, man. <laughs> Chad, nine blocks. We, we need 10 tonight. Yeah, I saw they took one of them away. Hopefully it didn't affect Clyde Frazier's suits. Too nah, the suits, the suits did really suits well. Suits are good. Week. We're coming for <laughs> Joe Chris effect this year. Actually, we're coming for his brother. Joe stinks. Joe's team stinks, I think. But, uh, <laughs> All right, uh, guys. Well, I'm going to hit it, and uh, you keep it going. So I got something to listen to when I'm driving around this week. You guys got you got All right, it, man. man. All right, take it easy, fellas. All right, that's the Time Lord, Greg Mulkowski of Timeform US. Um, appreciate him hopping on here with us today, so we could share some of the uh, aggravated tunes that we have. <laughs> Is that what it's called now? <laughs> I don't know, man. You you got to call it something. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta call it something. That's actually really good, though. I'm gonna use that. Boy, oh boy, it's uh, 
it's something. I, I tell you what it is. It's 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 not even depressing. It's just like it's annoying at this point. Like why why are we still doing this? R- racing feels like a you know it's like it's like a marriage except it's the, the spark is way way gone. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just kind of like you're going through the motions. And I mean, I looked at the races this weekend, and it just—I mean, I, this week was uh, this weekend was a particularly it was rough weekend because of the there was, rain. There was no yeah. no turf racing anywhere, which a lot of times is saving grace. Um, and you know, it's funny. Craig said Oakland's tough. Oakland is super tough. Um, yeah, I, I I struggle with the fairgrounds. I don't even bother with turfway. Gulfstream runs tapioca too much. It just winds up being, I, I just, you know, it was just not much to bet. I, I, I didn't like, much, I looked at the aqueduct card and it was just, I didn't see anything interesting. So, I mean, just, there's not much going on. I mean, I, I don't even look at Maryland because I'm jaded, yeah. scorned. It's just, Maryland seems like it, it it's, it, it kind of goes between, Chalk and, and impossible horses too. Yeah, <laughs> you know if you don't follow the circuit too, you're just you're just. I mean, I guess in, in a lot of ways we're just throwing darts, but I mean, if you don't follow the circuit at all, it, it's a lot harder because all all of a sudden then you're just looking at the same piece of paper and the same uh, PPs as everybody else is. So I mean, if you don't have any context to it, if you haven't seen any races, you didn't, you know, you don't know how a track's been playing this and that. Then I mean, I mean, you can't expect to really do well, can you? I mean, maybe you just bet for some action, but yeah, you could probably pinpoint a horse or two, but you really can't kind of go after the whole card, you know what I mean? Because it's just it's it's not feasible, especially not knowing. And you get those, like you said, impossible horses that may make a little sense based on like connections or things like that that you might not know about. And it's it just it just makes for a rough day, and it's probably better to sit on your hands and try your luck somewhere else, where you were a lot familiar with with what's going on and how things are. You know, there's like a flow to it, um, and if you get into that flow, you can you can pick a lot of winners. I mean, you know, I, I have a lot of success with this meet at, at Gulfstream, even though everybody hates it um, because of the synthetic, but. You know, you can find some 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 spots to really kind of pinpoint, and and that's what you kind of have to do these days. You can't really, you know, you really got to be precise because you got to get the right time, you know, the right odds because <laughs> horses, you know, they they drop in odds all the time. So there's other factors that we didn't have to deal with, you know, maybe ten years ago that we have to now it's just a totally different game and you got to be able to adapt. If you, if you can't, you're going to get, you're going to struggle. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it's, I think the, the thing for me is that when you're looking for, for horses at, at a price, generally, if you haven't watched the races or you, you don't have anything um, that you've observed yourself, a personal observation, because a personal observation is not on paper. No one else sees that. That's yours. Mm. And to come up with long shots without having any personal observations, uh, if a horse breaks 
ninth, he's ninth by eight, he's ninth by ten, he's ninth by twelve, he's ninth by fifteen, he's ninth <laughs> by twenty-one. I, I mean, there's you, you're just without actually seeing it, and and even if you watch replays, you don't know. It's not the same as if you are watching the races for that day, where like you said, there's a flow to it, and you can kind of say, you know, the inside might be a little better, or um, you know what the rest of the field's PPs look like. Because uh, if you use Formulator, you, you can get that a little bit. But, you know, you're, you're losing a lot of context. You're just watching right. a horse running in a race without any other context. And I think that's part of the, the, the thing that makes it difficult. And I think a lot of people lose because they just bet too many tracks. Yes, that, that's definitely an issue. But look at, you know, that horse I came up with the other day in the yeah, small yeah, field. Yeah. He went up to 40 to 1. I You know, and I even said it on on the – you know, the, the analysis I gave, I said, this horse is probably going to go up in odds. Right. And he did. And, and he ran an excellent race. I, 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 I still think that if, if there was a better rider on that horse, he probably would have been closer if not when one. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. I, I, I he know, didn't get much help from his rider. No, not at all. And <clears throat> you know, but those are the things you kind of have to find and it's not easy, you know, you could get one of those a month that are, you know, that big of odds that run that well. I mean, it, it's, it's hard, man. It's tough. And, you know, in some ways I, I can understand why some of the analysts like to just do chalk all the time, but it's lazy to me. It's lazy. And you can find them if you look for them. And yes. that's what I kind of concentrate on. And, and, you know, I don't understand why other people don't do that. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. But like you said, man, the game is a lot more complicated than it used to be because you have to be so much more aware of the odds in that if there's a minute to post and a horse is eight to one, you could be pretty comfortable in in the past. Right. That knowing that you were going to get six to one in, in that in that range. Right. He might take a little late action. He might drift up, but. He's not going to be five to two these days. You don't. That's exactly what happens. (laughs) You you don't even know that, and and it's a a, it's a twist that's that's hard because I don't know how to combat that. (laughs) No, that that question in your own mind when you're making a bet is this going to be the price? You kind of have to predict it, you know. Um, And I know that the input at odds and all that the guys want to use, but. It's still there's there's occasions where the difference between a big bet on a horse at, at five to one and a big bet on a horse at five to two or it's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. The inputted odds are four to one. They can still go off five to two. It happens. It's and usually happens. do. That that's still not happens. probably that that's almost like a definite well, pull the pocket had, a, had an article the other day put out about at the Meadowlands that not only because they've been the the, the CAWs have been in the Meadowlands pools. For a while, for a they're not new, yeah. But now they're just like doing these burials of horses, right? And they turn one to five around the first turn. I'm like, what? Yeah, right. I mean, horses used to go from like eight to five to like four to five, which was always aggravating. But now they're going to eight to five yeah. to one to nine, and one to five, and and they're winning like every time, right? Drawn off. <laughs> and I mean, what are you going to do with them horses? What are you gonna, What do you do with them? I mean, what, what do you do? And it just becomes these, this series of uninteresting races that have these huge favorites that you can't even get a, 
I mean, and, and one of the things that bothers me about about the whole idea that we're supposed to be just accepting of this is that oh well the markets are more efficient like Wall Street. Well, this is a Wall Street. This is horses running in circles. <laughs> you know, this isn't people uh, who, who's you, you know the the Oklahoma teachers uh, um, teachers unions uh, pension fund. This is horses running in circles, legitimately running in circles. So, like, like the, the that the, the pools all must be completely logical. Then it, it makes the game suck. It makes it where you know what? Why? Why do we do this? And in the end, we're gonna lose all the the slot money. It's gonna go at some point, and maybe Kentucky will be the last holdout because Kentucky has has horse racing ingrained into it and it has a huge breeding industry huge breeding industry so everything is different there but man like the races just not that interesting yeah there's nothing interesting about you know uh, a one to five shot winning a six horse race on the synthetic it just isn't and that's what we get a lot of the time. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. And but the greatest stakes it's just so stupid. It's a debacle, man. It is a debacle. And yet, you know what? They're all gonna t- they're gonna tell you, well, uh, oh <clears throat> shit. Well, it's about desire. You know, I, I said that on on X the other day. Is you know, the industry is just gonna die on the hill on lack of desire to change. And there's no way anyone can convince them of that apparently because I'm sure we tried our damnedest for the last, you know, three or four years, not to mention other people being vocal about these things. And it just goes on deaf ears. Like they just don't care. And that's, that's the part that really bothers me is the lack of care about what the, the customers and, you know, the participants, whether it be, you know, the trainers or the betters, they just don't care what they say. They they don't even take it into account. It's just like, yeah, whatever, man. You don't know nothing. We know everything. So move along. And that kind of arrogance is turning a lot of people off. And it's not promoting the game. It's not growing the game. And it's not getting us to where we can write this shit. I mean, we're, we're it seems like, it feels like, just as a field perspective, that the ship is just sinking slowly. We're not, I I don't think we're at the point where it can't be rectified, but decisions have to be made. Things have to change. If you don't change, it's not going to get fixed and it's just going to spiral into the abyss. Yeah. Mm. So it's sad, man. Like, you know, it's not the game that, that I started playing back in 84. Not the game I was playing in high school. Not the game I was playing in college. It's not the game from 2000. Right. Not, not the game it's been since it's my daughter really, was born. Really That's kind of my, my, my benchmark is 2013. I mean, think about this. It's not the game it was five, six years ago. Right. It's, it's changed so much and, and everything's changed, but the industry itself. I mean, that, that was one of the things like, like earlier in the show. I mean, the the lack of 
um, I guess the lack of, of respect for the entire game. Yes. It just doesn't exist anymore. It's like, you know how someone, you catch someone on a lie, mm-hmm. and then they lie again, then they lie again, then they lie again. <laughs> and at some point, yeah. you just kind of, like, have a, a lesser opinion of them. Sure. Well, that's racing. Because yep. it just, it, it's not necessarily lies, but it's just always kind of, like, never does the right thing. Thing and and you just get so jaded to everything, and I think that's that's how people are. They're just so jaded. That's why the Brad Cox scratched horses because he double <laughs> he gave them double pre race medication on by mistake becomes like oh my god, uh, you know it's 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 a non story for the most part, and it but because racing has screwed up so many other opportunities to write itself, and because obviously no one has called him up. And said, "Hey, Brad, what happened? Uh, can we go on record and just explain this? Because you know it, it is a little unusual, and you 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 have no problem accepting awards in a winner's circle, and accepting leading trainers' awards, and accepting Eclipse awards, and and you always have something to say about that. So, could we get a comment on this? Right. I, I mean, that doesn't seem difficult to me, but but who's gonna again, like you said, all that petty nonsense Who where you call? say something bad or." You say something somebody else doesn't like and they try to blackball you or or, you know, get you fired or, you know, all kinds of nonsense when it's not even necessary. No, nah, you know? it's not. And, and it, 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 it then it's not like this issue is a big deal. It's not. It's, it's, a, it's a stupid deal, but it's having a million of these and, and not ever taking responsibility and not ever uh, having, a, I guess, you know, an independent media that does it. I could call him up and ask him why, and he'd tell me. And I said, "Could I put that on, on, on you know, record?" He'd probably say yes. But why would I? Because so I could be the first person. Oh, yeah, you know, and and you know what you'd get half the people. Well, how do we know he's told you this? Right. You know the, the doubters and like, no, it's not the, the best is when they ask me to provide a link or something. I I, I, I know firsthand. <laughs> provide a link. <laughs> Nobody. I was there. Somebody, somebody tried that with me with with some of the basketball stuff. Yeah, and I thought it was funny because it's like, bro, if if you don't know by now, then yeah, I can't help you. It's like this is not secondhand information. This is firsthand information. You, if you choose not to believe me, that's your choice. Right. And I'm, I'm not here to convince but anybody. Why, right. There's so many situations in, in this in, in what we do, and why would we lie for what? benefit is there for us we, we don't have any sponsors we're not covering up for them nope we're not, we're not we don't have positions that we're trying to save our jobs are we going to send texts to each other threatening <laughs> to put ourselves on suspension that's what i mean it's, it's just like, <laughs> like like you know why why would we make stuff up it doesn't make any sense but but there are some people that just want to believe what they want to believe and they're just going to believe it i mean they're just that's just the way it is it's it's, yeah. it's how it's how <clears throat> life our lives and society has gotten so so much like politics i mean honestly we get force fed things through algorithms based upon things we do things we say and i mean we're given they, the like they 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 serve up to us what they think we want to see and what we want to hear. So people get 
jaded to that because that's what they see and what they hear because that's what the algorithms say and that's what people get their information from social media. I mean, you can't even hardly watch regular television anymore because they bombard you with commercials. My God. Yeah, I, I stick to kind of stuff I might tape. like, And, and then on-demand kind of stuff. That's usually what I stick to unless it's a live event, you know, like basketball or, or horse racing or something like that. Um, sports mostly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's insufferable. There's just too much. You're bombarded with commercials everywhere you go. It's, it's crazy on social media. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. The ads. Oh man. It's, it's, it's crazy. But, um, you know, it's just, uh, man, It's just, it's just the feeling and the, you know, we know that there's a better way and it's just not being done. And it's, it's so, I guess, annoying and, and disheartening at the same time. It's just a weird feeling of like, we know that this can go a different way. Why aren't you doing anything about it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so it's so obvious sometimes yet yeah, people in the business still don't see it, man. They just don't see it. Oh, anyways. Well, <clears throat> we're done early tonight. Yeah. Before dinner. That's different. That's much different. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm really hungry now. Yeah, me too. Worked up a appetite and time lord. Got me all riled up. <laughs> Little time lord. Going to see the going to see the Thunder tonight. Going to see Chet in the in the All Stars. That's what they should call them. They're a good team, man. They're 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 sneaking up on team people. I don't see how that like SGA is one of the best players in the league, bro. Like that he is. And they got a nice supporting cast too. They have a good, <clears throat> yeah. They did a good job putting that team together, and they got a bunch of picks. They're gonna be okay. See, get it? They they ah. have they have like 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 eighteen picks in the next seven drafts, eighteen first round picks, <clears throat> which is just crazy. <laughs> eighteen. There's only fifteen guys on your roster. Right, and they got more picks than they got roster spots. Right, so I mean, it's it's a good position to be in in the NBA in this day and age, and with the rules and the caps and all that stuff, couldn't ask for a better position. You know, that that's the thing is, is like all we're asking for in racing is is not to be like the NBA or be like the NFL in all manners. Just just be functional in, in some and yeah. some of the things that they've tried to do, and I mean. The NFL and and you know has has kind of succeeded in um in developing a salary cap that has made it possible for for small market teams to be competitive with big market teams, and the NBA is 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 tweaking it to where they're getting there. They're they're really going to punish the teams that um you know, go above and beyond and, and just, you know, the big spenders. 
uh, they're going to make it very, very difficult for those teams. And, you know, the idea of trying to be, you know, it's a, it's socialism. Socialism works in sports. It may not oh, yeah. work in, in society, but it works in sports because there's a limited number of teams. There's a limited number of games. And if they're not interesting, then the league loses. The teams lose. Eventually, play, everyone loses. Everybody loses. It, it, it's up. It's incumbent upon the leagues to continue to give their product uh, new life, new you know, new markets, new ideas, new players. You have to to do things. Have they succeeded in everything? No. The refereeing in the NFL is bizarrely bad this year, <laughs> and there's so many injuries. I mean, it's just gotten to be you know. Well, look at the the uh, in season tournament. Look at how big of a success that is. But now they're seeing a little bit. You know, guys are kind of getting injured and yeah, well, stuff yeah, like that. You, you had you you had people in the media go, "Oh, it wasn't a big success because um, the 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 TV ratings were only up twenty six percent. Like only up twenty six percent." Yeah, I, I would tell someone, uh, "Yeah, how about this? Tell me the last uh, November basketball game in the NBA you remember, right?" You know, name the last non-Christmas game day in December that, that had, a, you know, any any real playoff feel to it. None. None. Yeah, and the players long, will tell you the same thing. They, they, they weren't even trying, sort of. They were trying to get their feet wet, trying to, you know, get familiar with new teams and stuff like that during the first 20 games up until the new year. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're trying something, whether it's, it works or whether it doesn't work or whether it's successful or, or moderately successful. That That's the thing that we don't do in our business. We, no, we don't try. Our product is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And our customers are complaining louder and louder and louder. And yet everybody keeps telling us why we can't change. And they're not right. They're wrong. And it's not about a choice, man. It's not a choice. It's it's a requirement. Yes. Do different shit because in the end if the tracks start keeping we keep losing you're gonna have to find a job somewhere else anyways true that so at least be the guy that that, that went out you know swinging yeah you tried you tried everything but it just doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem to to be that uh, you know that that thought process I just don't know what what triggers it, and maybe it never, maybe it never will. Yeah, that's always a possibility. That I mean, especially the way things have gone. So, uh, it's hard to be optimistic in that regard until you actually see some change, like real change, something I, I, way I, different than what's going on. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny <clears> because <throat> uh, the kid in, in the University of Arizona, God, I can't think of his name. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Sorry, guy. I, I forget names. Um. But he came up with the idea in the in the symposium of having um, a handicap system, which is not a new idea. South Sinatra came up with this idea six or seven years ago, and he proposed it. I think at the Jockey Club Roundtable. And you know how many tracks did it? Zero, including his own. Zero, because nobody because it was work, and nobody could see. Well, you know. We don't really care that much about the claiming races anyways. <clears throat> so why are we going to do, you know what I mean? That's the attitude. Yeah, but and, they, and, they don't know where the bread and butter <laughs> lies in any sense. <laughs> that, that, that's it, though. They're getting paid. And, and that's, that's what happens. 
I mean, I'm sure there's lots of people that listen to this that are in different businesses, different industries that have been in situations, have seen situations where a manager or a vice president or would would actively try to repress the people underneath him because he was afraid of them taking his job. I mean, it happens all the place, but in racing, it's even it's even worse because there just aren't that many of them. So it's not as though if you were a, a banker, say, right? Well, there's lots of banking opportunities in the world. There's just not that many racetrack opportunities. So the, the, the wagons get circled quicker and the, the repressing gets, gets done more actively. I mean, I was, I was one of those kids, man. I was a very... Uh, <sighs> eager to to do well and to to try to you know come into the business and see how everything really ran and 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 you know work my way up the ranks and I worked in, a, in for a racetrack for two years and and, and and quit to become a hot walker for Wayne Lucas <laughs> because I could see that the business of racing on the front side sucks for racing this was a long time ago a long time ago. And it's gotten way, way, way worse. I mean, if we could just get back to let's try to have the best racing we can have. How do we accomplish that? How do we give the the consumers the best experience that they can have? You would think that those two things would be high on the priority. It's a simplistic uh, view of it. But I mean, in the end, isn't that shouldn't that be your goal? And it's not. And that's, you know. There's too many, just too much catering to certain people. There's just too much, you know, conservative, conservative uh, views of trying anything new and of doing anything that might make you lose a little bit of control. The tracks, uh, they, 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 they care far too much about their own little, you know, little fiefdom. And because of it, nothing works, man. And just, just like, you know, the, the the second half of the season triple crown would be the easiest Man, that would be thing beautiful. in the world to it would sell. be so cool it'd be the easiest thing in the world to sell raise the purses put a bonus structure in you know find a find a real modern day partner you know not not nbc no offense to nbc but they're they're you know it's over for them the networks are all struggling and people are cutting the cord more and more. And, you know, the, 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 the main network is still, you know, going to get a lot of eyes on it. But the, the ancillary channels don't because of people have so many other options. People right. have cut the cord, man. And we're, we're, not, we're not aligned with any of them. And, and yet we've been streaming for 20, 25 years. And, and and we still missed out on this, and it's just the most, you know, baffling thing to me. You you couldn't get uh, you couldn't get uh, somebody to produce a, a series that covers those three races. Oh no, we can't because you know so and so's got the rights to this, and so and so's got the right to that. Well, cut it open out. Open it up, right? Open it up. Let them let them do it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not going to hurt anything. No. It's not, and it just is, you know, 
Put it this way. Who would you rather be aligned with? The USA Network or, or Netflix? Netflix. Way more eyes. Hulu. Same thing. Way more eyes. Anybody. Any of the big ones. And we're a live freaking sport, man. I mean, are we a, a sport on a day-to-day basis? No. But our best races are still sporting. Mm-hmm. And there's still an aspect to to it. There's still there's still a, a name value. We have we come with an audience that has uh, demographics that aren't as easily found as people want to believe. We have a, a an older audience. Well, there's tons of older products that that can be marketed to older people. It's an affluent audience, right? Expensive stuff too. Yes. <clears throat> And it, it just can be done, but it just not. And you know, it just missed opportunity. So, so anyways, well, we rattled off almost two hours. Nice. We got. Uh, this is the Festivus edition, though. So it was warm. Yeah, we got we have Festivus on Saturday. <clears throat> then I need to open it next week, right? On Tuesday, right? Yeah. No, Wednesday? Um, the 26th. Uh, oh, so it is Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Well, Christmas is on Monday, so. Yeah. I don't know what we're doing for the big Monday show next Monday. Nothing? <laughs> it's up to you. Whatever, man. We can take. Not like I'm doing anything. Well, there's no races that day. Well, there actually, there are races. I shouldn't say there's no races. There were races in Japan. Puerto Rico. They run a big the big day in Japan that, on, on December 25th. That's right. It's like a huge day, which is kind of funny, actually. You know, I never even knew that till like two years ago. I had no idea that the the, the twenty fifth of December was like this huge day in Japanese racing. But, but yeah, I'm not sure what we're gonna do. We haven't even thought about it. And yeah. I, I just, I just realized now that uh, next Monday is Christmas. But... We'll figure it out between now and then. We shall figure it out. Next Tuesday is Kwanzaa. Yes, sir. There we go. We'll have a, a, a double show. There you go. Big <laughs> Tuesday. We got New Year's after that. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. And, uh, <clears throat> man, what else we got? January. Pegasus after that, right? A little while. Uh, the Pegasus, twentieth, twenty seventh, which is which is definitely looking like the worst Pegasus, the worst ever. race in race history. Since last uh, year was pretty bad, but since since Rob O'Connor and uh, Skippy Longstocking are the two headliners, <laughs> Rob O'Connor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, man! <laughs> it's uh, it's a dread fest. Turf race might be okay, no? Uh, I think that horse of Shugs was kind of sort of pointing for it. Are talking the nation? No, the one that won the race. In, in <laughs> the New bad York. luck horse talking the nation? Yeah, the, the other horse. Shugged, turf man. Uh, the, the, the horse that, that won the Virginia Derby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he I won know. the race in New York. He, like, came he, from he nowhere. Like, yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. I just don't know the name. I can't think of it. Right now. Yeah, it's catching. It's catching. The, the, catching. The, the name 
the the, un, the the inability to come up with names that's that's catching. Um. Yeah, I think he might be in there. But yeah, the Pegasus is gonna be, <clears throat> it's gonna suck. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how long, I don't know how else to say it because last year wasn't a very good race, but at least it was horses that we recognized. Yeah, the uh, art collector and yeah, it was a bunch of you know the the funded defunded yeah the C team. Um, but this year I, I don't even know that we're getting. It, it might not even be that good. I just don't know who's left. Right, who's left? Who could? Who's gonna run? Besides even the horses. <laughs> Even the horses that that were laid off early, the <clears throat> three year olds that that got um, this what's his name, the last reason horse dismissed or <sighs> I can't think of I, disarm disarm I'll call him dismissed. Yeah, he, he's probably not going to be ready. And uh, Angel Vampire and I don't know where that horse has been. All, all the other ones. Uh, I, I, what's his name? Out of work the other day. Instant coffee. Oh, ew. But I mean, the race is uh, like six weeks away. So, you know, he's making it. I just don't know who's going to run it. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's been that way for the last few years, though. It really hasn't come together until the last minute. Uh, yeah, but I don't know how it's going to come together this year because I have no idea who could possibly even run. Somebody's going to show up, right? Because, it, you know, the purse is decent. Somebody had to show up there. We're going to get some West Coast contingent. I don't know. You're right. I just don't know who would actually show up in that race other than... Senior bus or maybe. Yeah, that would make sense. <clears throat> Might be favored. <laughs> no kidding. Though his style isn't exactly no, not for Gulfstream. That's for sure. He, you know, kind of ran against the bias, which was huge that day at the Cigar Mile. They might the Pegasus might have like seven Safi Joseph horses. Right, it might be the local Pegasus this year. Oh, yeah. local horses. I, I just again I've had I've had a hard time trying to figure out um, why a horse like Zandem didn't didn't stay in training for one more him. yeah it makes total sense that that, that might have been easy pickings for that horse to to retire on a high note that's what I mean it wasn't like he has a whole bunch of wins <clears throat> um. Kind of like, um, I guess Dallas Stewart didn't he say hoist a gold might try? Yeah, I think I saw that somewhere, which makes sense. Yeah, you know, horses in good form. No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not taking him at mile and an eighth. No, I wouldn't either. But I mean, here's the other horses coming out of that race: Senior Buscador, who might run, right? Castle Chaos, who? Three technique. <laughs> what? Coastal mission. Three technique a sprinter. He's a one turn horse, you know. He won't. 
awfully cool. High Oak, Dr. Ardito. I mean, High Oak. Like, Come on, that's rough, bro. <laughs> that, that that was cigar ma. <clears throat> uh, I, I just like what? <laughs> Who's left? Anyways, well, I guess we'll figure out what we're gonna do this week, and then uh, we'll do it. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. That's right. Merry Christmas, everyone. Have a have a wonderful Christmas and uh, whatever else you uh, partake in, Kwanzaa. You, you do this <laughs> coming week. Eggnog Christmas with week. bourbon in it. Whatever mm. you're doing, do it well. That's right. Whatever you do, do well. Just don't drive afterwards. Yeah, no, we don't need that. All right. Well, next week we'll be uh, we'll be here. All right. Maybe I'll dress up as Santa Claus. That would be excellent. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs>